Welcome to another episode of Life Insurance HQ, the podcast. I'm your host, Jason Miracle. Today is November 2nd, 2022. Hopefully everybody had a safe and happy Halloween uh, a couple of nights ago. I want to thank you for joining us. Uh, Today, we're going to spend some time talking about index universal life products and multipliers and how they work and the function of what they do in order for you to be able to make an informed decision if you either A, have one of these policies or B, are considering one of these policies. Uh, We had an interesting situation come up last week where one of our clients was approached with a unique index universal life policy design. And he asked us to review it and give him some guidance on it. And so that that's really the uh, evolution of, of where we started with this podcast. Before we get started, I, I want you to please remember that every individual situation is different. The content, uh, content of this podcast is purely informational and should not be relied on for your own personal situation. We always recommend you work with a licensed, reputable professional to discuss your individual needs. If you're interested in scheduling a conversation with us, you can visit our website at miraclesco.com, or you can email us at lihq at miraclesco.com. That's M-E-R-I-C-L-E-C-O.com. In past podcasts and certainly on our blog, we've talked about Index Universal Life. We've talked about how the products work. What we haven't really got into are different multipliers and how those can have an impact on the policy and what they do. So uh, about a week ago, we were asked by a client of ours to review a proposal that he had been given uh, by another insurance advisor. We're not going to go into who the carrier is, the exact policy, what it is, but what we are going to do is outline and highlight a few of the options that were available under that policy and how they work and, and how this design was somewhat unique. So, you know, our client is a 46 year old who does very well, and he was approached uh, by by an insurance advisor and was shown a presentation that assumed he make a contribution of $100,000 per year for a period of five years into an index product, at which time he would be able to start taking distributions in the form of withdrawals and loans beginning at his age 61 to his age 100. Now, as we've talked about in the past, what makes insurance products unique is the growth inside of the policy is deferred, which means you don't pay any taxes on the growth. And two, any withdrawals or loans from the policy are non-taxable in most situations to the policy owner. And so it could be a great vehicle to provide for tax-enhanced accumulation, and it also includes a income tax-free death benefit for the policy owner's beneficiary. So there's there's several advantages to it. It doesn't make sense in every situation for people to do it, uh, 
But certainly for somebody in their mid-40s thinking that far in advance, it can be a, a great policy. So when we were initially approached by this individual, our client, he said, hey, here's the presentation. And it, it was essentially a PowerPoint presentation. But on page two, it had disclosures and it talked about, hey, this presentation isn't valid without an illustration. Well, they didn't include an illustration. And so our first response or first recommendation was let's let's see what the illustration is and see how this policy was designed and how it worked. And the presentation simply showed $100,000 going in for five years and then the client being able to access approximately $73,000 per year beginning at age 61 tax-free, which looked pretty good, sounded pretty good. And so we went back, we asked for the illustration, we were able to get the illustration back. What was interesting to us is when we first received that illustration or had a chance to look at it, there was actually more than $100,000 going into the policy. So the first two years, the client was going to contribute $100,000. Actually, he was going to make those contributions for five years. But beginning year three, the illustration showed that the policy owner borrowed $50,000 from the policy and then put it back in premium for a total premium of $150,000 in year three, year four, year five, even though our client was still only contributing $100,000. Then beginning in year six and through year 10, there were additional loans from the policy for $150,000 a year to be put back into the policy as premium. And so really we've got $100,000 going into the policy in year one and year two, and the beginning year three through year 10, there's total premiums of $150,000 going into the policy, even though our client is only paying $100,000 in actual out-of-pocket dollars into the policy over the first five years. First off, there aren't many carriers except for this particular carrier that will allow you to illustrate a policy this way. But why would you illustrate the policy this way is probably a better question. And the first reason or or what it allows you to do is when you take that loan, you're going to be borrowing money from the policy And the interest on that loan is going to accrue within the policy. Now, with this particular policy, there are two different types of loans. There's a standard loan and there is a alternate loan or let's just call it adjustable loan. And so the standard loan typically allows you to borrow at two and a quarter percent. The alternate loan allows you to borrow at, in this situation, 4.42%. Now, the benefit of that is when we borrow that money, while we're going to receive that money, the policy treats it as if that still exists inside of the policy. So we may have a loan for, let's call it $100,000 at, let's just call it 4%. So it's costing us $4,000, but the carrier is going to treat that $100,000 
as if it's still participating in the returns of the underlying index. And so if I can create get an index return on the loan balance that is greater than 4%, then my money is going to actually grow faster than it otherwise would. Now, a couple of years ago, there was a ruling put forth called AG49A. And what AG49A did is it limits what carriers can illustrate on the growth of monies that are borrowed from a policy. So in our example, if we borrow $100,000 and there's a 4% borrowing rate, the carriers are only allowed to assume that that borrowed amount can't be credited anything more than 4.5% or 50 basis points more than what the actual current borrowing rate is in that policy. And so it limits what it's able to achieve. However, you're still creating arbitrage. So essentially, you're going to have two buckets with one source of money. You've put in 100000 Now you're borrowing 50, so that 50 is going to stay there, and it's going to earn, hopefully, whatever the index returns, less the borrowing rate. And now when I take that 50,000 and then I put it back into the policy, that 50,000 is going into the same index, and it's going to be credited whatever the index return is, but doesn't have the interest charge on it. So you're essentially using... Uh, your own money to create additional index segments to earn index returns. And so it actually gives the policy owner an opportunity for uh, to have two segments based on essentially one premium payment. And so you can see how that might work. Now, the challenge is, is if we have negative index performance or, or we have index performance that's less than the borrowing rate. So if it's four and we get zero or three, a lot of times what happens with these indexes is you're guaranteed a floor of zero. So if the underlying index performs negatively, they're still going to credit you 0% on your index segment. If it If the index return gives you six, then they're going to credit you the 6%. And so it's important to look at when you do this, what type of loan you have and understand how it works. Now, the other thing we noticed is this particular product had what we call different, uh, had, had a writer that allowed for the uh, performance of the index to be multiplied if one of these writers was, if this writer was included uh, on the policy. And so essentially you have under one writer, three different options. You have an option A and option B and an option C. Option A is nothing. Uh, you get whatever the index return growth rate is for that segment um, in that period. Option two essentially allows you to, uh, for a fee, to add a multiplier that is equal to, uh, they call it a performance factor that's equal to 2.14 uh, 
from policy year two to 20. So what would happen is, let's say we have a, um, a, a segment growth rate. Let's say we have a, a, a segment that earns, I don't know, call it 5%. And we have this rider and we've got a performance factor of 2.14. What they're going to do is they're going to multiply that 5% index growth times that 2.14, which is equal to 10.7. And then they're going to take out the cost of the rider, which in this particular situation is 4.98. So on a 5% index growth rate, you would actually earn 5.72 after the charge for the rider has come out. So they also have an option C, which for a charge of 7.5% will give you a multiplier of 2.7. And again, they're going to take out that 7.5% fee at the end of the year when the segment matures to make sure um, that you're able to have that multiplier. Now, the challenge here is what if the index performs negatively? Well, then depending on the writer you're, you chose, you're going to take that hit in the policy and it's going to impact the accumulation value, the net surrender value to the point where if you have zero for a few years, um, the policy may become endangered uh, of, of lapsing. Now, conversely, if you have some really good index per performance saving years, you may get 20, 30% credit in the policy net of that rider charge. What makes it interesting is because of where index crediting rates are right now in these policies, is it makes it difficult to illustrate these riders and have it make sense simply because the carriers are limited in terms of how they can illustrate it. And so if you're confident in the market and think it's gonna go to the moon, it makes sense to take the seven and a half percent risk and go from there. Essentially, what we were able to determine is in order to break even in, in assuming the index we're using, is you'd have to essentially earn about 2.75% to break even on the rider that costs 7.5%. And so it makes it nearly impossible to understand how these policies are going to perform in the future. In fact, to the extent that we we stripped out all the policy loans in the first 10 years and just said, hey, we're going to put 100 grand a year in for five years. And we tested what the different performance writers would do uh, to the policy performance. And so when we when we used the writer that cost seven and a half percent, beginning the age 61 to age 100, we were able to pull out just over $20,000 per year of tax-free income from the policy, which isn't very much. When we dropped it to rider B, uh, which costs almost 5%, we were actually able to pull out more money, about $24,600 per year during the same time period. And under option C, where we have the rider, but it's not costing us anything, and we don't have, a, uh, our performance factor is one, that actually generated the highest result being $49,300 per year 
begin at age 61 and lasting through age 100. And the reason for this is basically where the index crediting rate is and how it's illustrated. But what's important to note is the insurance carrier can adjust all these levers at any time that they want. And the policy only really doesn't have any options. They're just there for the ride. So we have under uh, our, our, our rider C, which has that 7.5% fee, between years two and years 20, the current performance factor is 2.7, but there's a guaranteed performance factor of 1.72. So what does that mean? Well, it means contractually, this carrier can take that multiplier, that performance factor of 2.7 and drop it to as low as 1.72. And you're still gonna pay that 7.5% charge. Conversely, again, they may increase it. Probably not likely, but they do have the ability to do that. In addition, depending on the index, you may have a participation rate or a cap. They can adjust these when the segment matures and then add what type of loan they're using and that's going to impact it and all of this is is it makes it very difficult to illustrate and understand what actually might happen so when we take our our, our writer a which doesn't have the fee that doesn't have a multiplier on it and we change it from an alternate loan to a standard loan Instead of getting 49,300, we're only able to pull out 40,700. And the reason is, is because when I'm using that alternate loan, my, my loan balance is actually being credited right around 4.92% against a 4.42% loan because I'm able to illustrate that with AG49A. When I go to a standard loan, I'm at a 2.25% borrowing rate, but I can only illustrate my loan growing by 2.75 instead of 4.92. And so the only way to really understand some of these products and how they work is to take them offline and almost do an Excel spreadsheet to play the what if game. Because you may find yourself, and it is very likely that you will find yourself in the future, not being able to illustrate the policies the way you could when they were issued. And the reason for that is, is you may have outperformed what you originally projected because you know that the cash value is higher than the cash value is higher today than what it was when the policy was issued. But the cap rate may have gone down from 5.3, which you assume, to 5. And now we can't illustrate anything over five. And so it's very difficult and can be very difficult to illustrate these policies moving forward and understanding how they work. And so it's important if you're considering an index universal life policy specifically for accumulation, you understand what those levers are and what the different index options are, along with how the participation rates work, the cap rates work. If there is a multiplier option, what are the fees? How do the loans work? What are we able to illustrate? And how is it going to perform moving forward? If we outperform our, 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 our index crediting rate, then this could be a tremendously valuable asset for this individual. If we don't, or if the insurance company starts to move things, 
it, it could turn out to be a bad situation to the extent where a policy may lapse. You've got a big loan on the policy. And when it lapses, you may actually recognize a pretty significant taxable gain. So again, it's important when you're considering these types of policy to understand how they work, understand what the guarantees are versus the current uh, uh, non-guaranteed assumptions, because there really are a tremendous amount of, is a tremendous amount of leverage that the insurance carrier has on these policies. If you have any questions on something you may be looking at or an existing policy, please feel free to email us at lihq at miracleco.com. Again, that's M-E-R-I-C-L-E-C-O.com. Um, you can always visit our website at miracleco.com. But we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to be able to help you and just be a second set of eyes for you. So I hope that uh, gave you guys some insight on how multipliers work and how loans can work um, and how policy performance will vary based on these different options that the carrier has to uh, has to move around within the policy. Anyways, that's it for us. We're going to wrap it up for this week. Again, we hope you have a great week. We thank you for taking a listen and we will look forward to talking to you in a couple of weeks. Thanks and have a great day.